0: Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com.
1: We like to say facts tell, stories sell.
0: Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Rattu, Storyteller. So introduce yourself. My name is, and tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. My name is Marty Boardman, and I am with Fix and Flip Hub. And uh, my business partner and I, Manny Romero, uh, we fix and flip houses in Phoenix, Arizona and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. People, I live in Phoenix. People ask me all the time why I fix and flip in Milwaukee, I tell them it's because I like beer, brats, and cheese. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the truth is, is... Uh, We felt like there were some great opportunities. We were looking to expand our fix and flip business outside of Phoenix and and Milwaukee was a a great market for us uh, and why we chose that. Uh, I've been fixing and flipping houses since uh, 2002. Uh, And yeah, we not only fix and flip houses and and, and own investment properties ourselves, but we also teach people how to do it. We're coaches as well and instructors. In
0: 1998, I was recruited by the chief photojournalist of KPHO-TV, to join one of the best broadcast television visual storytelling teams in the United States. The moment I stepped off the plane in my black suit on a hot summer day in Phoenix, Arizona, Marty Boardman not only welcomed me in style, but became one of my closest mentors and ultimately best man in my wedding. As chief photojournalist, Marty Boardman taught me more in three years about storytelling, life, friendship, empathy, and ultimately business. More than I could have ever imagined. After leaving Phoenix and KPHO TV for graduate school at Clemson University, Marty left the broadcast television business to tackle a new industry. He converted his journalistic style into a business acumen that ultimately helped him build a huge real estate business. One of the most fascinating intersections in Marty's path was his ability to transfer his visual storytelling and journalistic skills into a relationship building mechanism. One that helped him raise capital, buy and sell homes, expand to other cities across the country, and ultimately launch a training business. He moved from behind the camera to the feature personality, writing books and creating how-to videos dominating social media. Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Boardman. How did a broadcast television news photojournalist who has traveled the country, traveled internationally, told stories of legislators some of the top stories in the world, was it Columbine? Was it some big national stories turn into a guy that is now flipping houses and doing well? How did that happen?
1: Uh, well, uh, let's see. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> so as you mentioned, you know, I uh, was a TV news uh, photojournalist for uh, the CBS affiliate in uh, Phoenix, where I, I, I currently live, uh, have lived since uh, since 1991, so a long time. Uh, so consider Arizona my home, Phoenix my home, and uh, yeah, started out out of high school. Really uh, got a job at a TV station in Yuma, Arizona, and then eventually came to made my way to Phoenix. And so I worked in the TV news industry for uh, 15 years, and uh, obviously was trained. Uh, to be a, a visual storyteller like you were just talking about, I um, uh, was a member of the National Press Photographers Association for many years, uh, attended their workshop and learned how to tell stories uh, with video and with uh, with sound, and uh, was very passionate about it for a very long time. And uh, I was a national, a regional photographer of the year in 1996 uh, uh, for Region 10, which is, I think, Arizona and California. and. Nevada. But uh, yeah, just eventually, I think like a lot of people, you know, you even even if you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, eventually you kind of you start to run out of stories to tell and you kind of started telling the same stories over and over again. And I was just looking for a new challenge, really. And frankly, I was looking to make more money. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, when I turned 30 years old, I kind of decided that I've been in tv since i was 16 almost 15 years and i I needed to to do something else i was looking for a way to make more money Uh, i was looking for just a new challenge and uh, right around that time uh, i read a a book by robert kiyosaki it's called rich dad poor dad and in this book uh, robert kiyosaki uh, talks about he he uses a kind of uh the, his own life story about how he had a, a rich dad and a poor dad. His poor dad was his biological father, and his rich dad uh, was uh, a, fr- a close friend to his father who was very wealthy, business owner, real estate investor. And he kind of just basically told the story of the two of them and how his poor dad, his biological father, who was a schoolteacher and I think a principal, uh, you know, just... Invested his money very poorly and invested his time very poorly. He he bought liabilities, not assets. So he, he was constantly in debt and uh, his rich dad was investing in businesses and buying real estate and created passive income through these these different business ventures. And uh, so yeah, he was buying assets, his rich dad, his poor dad was buying liabilities is kind of the, the basics of the book. And he and he also went into detail about how you know most people trade uh time for money they 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 work at a job 40 50 60 hours a week and they get a paycheck uh, business owners don't do that they invest in businesses and they make their money through uh, passive types of investments and 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 through their their the income that their businesses make so that that whole concept i'd never really i didn't study business in school i my, my major was in political science i knew very little about business and very little about real estate uh, but uh, that whole concept of creating a business and creating or owning investments that put money in my in my uh, pocket every month without really having to do anything really appealed to me. <laughs> so and frankly, Bobby, I being in the TV news industry for 14, 15 years, I didn't really know how to do anything else. Uh, I, I had to try to applying for jobs at, at you know corporations that you know made, well, I'm here in Arizona. Intel is really big, and uh, there's uh, you know corporations that you know a lot of tech companies here. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, so I just didn't have any skills that that a skill set that would would make me very valuable to a corporation like that. So, really, real estate was my only my only real hope for uh, for for creating an income for myself outside of the TV news industry. So that's what I did. I, 2002, I, I quit my job as a TV news cameraman and I somehow convinced my wife to let me do that. And my first year in, in real estate, I made about $24,000. The second year I made about 75,000, which was good because that's about what I was making in TV news. And then from there, it just, you know, kind of exploded. But uh, uh, for about a decade from 2002 to 2012, I was just doing real estate and. I didn't do anything as far as marketing goes with camera, with podcasting, any of those things. I didn't have an email list. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just focused on real estate investing. And then about five, six years ago, I realized, you know, the whole world is moving towards this, uh, this, you know, people, people. And this is kind of what sealed it for me, Bobby, is people buy things and invest with people. Uh, who they know, like, and trust. And video, to me, was the very best way to get people to know us, like us, and trust us. Uh, and through storytelling, through through visual storytelling. So uh, it's something that came pretty naturally to me because I'd done it for so long. However, it was like uh, dusting off uh, an old set of shoes. or, or I mean, I, I was pretty rusty when I got back into it. When I picked up, I hadn't picked up a camera, uh, or done any type of editing in over a decade. And, uh, but you know, the whole premise or the whole foundation behind visual storytelling hasn't changed really at all in, in many, many years. So, uh, it, it just, uh, uh came naturally to me and, and came back to me pretty quickly. So that's when we started, uh, shooting and recording, uh, videos at our projects that are at our investment projects. Uh, we fix and flip houses and own investment properties in Phoenix, Arizona and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so my business partner and I initially, uh, I was just putting my business partner on camera and I was staying behind the camera. And then we realized that there was just a lot more chemistry and it was easier to tell stories when it was the two of us together. So we started doing stuff together on camera a couple of years ago. And yeah, I mean, things have just exploded for us. Our YouTube channel following, uh, our Facebook following, uh, and uh, we're in, and on Instagram, and we're constantly uh, uh, approached. And uh, and I can't tell you how many different opportunities, business wise, that that uh, being able to tell stories and and to to show people what we do on video, what a huge difference that makes, and the adva- the competitive advantage that we gain by having that that, uh, type of, uh, media in our business. Uh, it's just been tremendous. So,
0: uh, for people who don't realize this, Marty Boardman was my boss, uh, back. He hired me back in 1998 and I came, uh, to work for him. Well, in 1999 and we worked together for two or three years before I, uh, I left Phoenix to come back and go to grad school. And, and, um, you have a wonderful family, um, and you taught me everything there is to know about Arizona. My time there was awesome. I mean, it was just, it, it was fun. We had a great time telling stories in Arizona for those two to three years. I mean, you built a great team.
1: Yeah, it was, um, uh, it was kind of, uh, the golden age of TV news, uh, photojournalism. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things you know I learned assembling the type of uh, team that we we had there when we worked together, Bobby, was one of the things I've actually uh, kind of been able to apply also in my my new business. So not new; I've been doing this. Well, I've been doing real estate longer than I did TV now. But uh, one of the things that I learned is how to build a team. Uh, you know, through that experience, uh, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who have the same passion and energy for the job as I do. And so, yeah, that was some good times. We had a lot of fun. We 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 worked hard and we played hard, didn't we? We did. We worked really hard. We played hard. We traveled a lot. We spent
0: a lot of time on the lake. And we also, you know, we got to know each other and we really all had a passion for this thing about storytelling and, you know, and just having fun in a good old time. And, one of the things I think is interesting that you know I was looking forward to chatting with you about. You and I have talked about this a lot. Is you know transitioning using that institutional knowledge that we gained in television and translate it into business into the business world. And um, one of the things I think that you've done really well, which you kind of alluded to earlier, was taking that you know that journalistic business uh, that journalistic act acumen, storytelling acumen and translate it into, into your business and talk about the things that you learned on the streets with a camera and how that related to the business world, not just making stories,
1: but interacting with people. So I think the biggest thing that uh, I learned and, and it isn't really something that I've entirely figured out until just a few years ago. If, if you have a passion for, well, it's a couple of things. Number one, it's having a passion for what it is you do. Okay. Uh, It's easy. One of the, one of the, one thing that comes very simple to me and and it comes very naturally to me is raising money. Um, We've raised uh, for our real estate investment company over the years, we've raised millions of dollars, probably I'd say close to 10 to 15 million dollars and private capital to use to invest in our real estate investment projects between uh, Phoenix uh, and Wisconsin. And as a matter of fact, as we speak, I'm in the middle of, uh, with my business partner, uh, putting a $10 million private equity fund together for our acquisitions in Wisconsin. So, but uh, I think the reason why people invest with us is because of my passion for the business. I love real estate investing. I think one of my favorite parts about it is just transforming properties and buying homes and seeing them go from, you know, kind of the eyesore on the on the block to the gem of the neighborhood. And and I can explain how that process works to a potential investor in a very simple, easy-to-understand language. And I can communicate that to them in a way that's that's simple and easy to understand but because i have uh there's a passion behind it they recognize that i know what i'm talking about and i'm going to see it through to the end and it's interesting you know when you when you work in tv news when you work in the news business each day when you come into work you're you're just given an idea basically the higher-ups have a story concept for you and they ask you to tell a story around that concept or idea or whatever it happens to be going on, and it, and then you work all day, and by the end of the day, you have something, right? That's that's tangible that that goes on the air that people get to watch and learn from. And I look at what I do in real estate investing is very similar. You know, we start out with a with a house that's practically falling down and is in poor condition, and in it, we don't get it done in a day, but in six to eight weeks, we have a completely finished. Project and I have to be able to communicate my vision for that property with the people on my team along the way and also to our investors. So, uh, and I had a passion for storytelling and for uh, for video and for producing and editing when I was in TV. That was, I think, infectious. It got other people excited about it, and now I've kind of translated all that into my real estate business. And I'm just as passionate. About that. And I get just as excited about finishing a home and having uh, either selling it to a, a family or, or if it's a, a rental property, renting it to a nice family and having that pride and knowing that, you know, we cleaned up a neighborhood or that we helped to raise property values. We provided jobs to people. I mean, all of those things gets me really excited. And I think when you are, no matter what type of business you're in if you're trying to start a bakery or a bank or you're starting a, a a digital ad agency whatever it is if you can communicate your vision for that business or that opportunity clearly and concisely and have passion to go alongside it it becomes very easy to raise capital it becomes very easy to find funding for your projects tell me about how you
0: were able to leverage, and you kind of talked about it earlier, but how do you, what are some of the things that you started using from a storytelling standpoint to really expand your business? You started talking about using video. You started talking about some of those pieces, but that, you know, for a lot of people that's like, okay, I don't know how to apply that. What are some of the things that you started doing that from your days in television to literally go out and on a daily basis or a weekly basis tell stories and communicate using certain tactics that really has led to business.
1: So it's important. For example, when I explained to somebody how to fix and flip a house, right? So it's important that we keep things as simple as possible. And I had uh, this concept taught to me by a very successful fix and flip investor back in 2009, a fix and flip business and, you know, people love HGTV, right? They love watching the, the reality shows and seeing, and it's all because people like to see the home transformed, right? They love to see the before and after. So uh, when, you're, when you're creating a, you know, when you're building a fix and flip business, whether you're going to fix and flip one house or a hundred houses at once, there's really just four compartments or divisions of a fix and flip business there's, there's one, the first component is acquisition. You know, you have to go out and find the houses to fix and flip. So there's division one is acquisition. Division two is rehab. Once you buy the house, find it and buy it, you got to get it rehab. So it's division two. Division three is just sales. Once you have the house finished, you got to sell it. And then the the fourth box or division is money or capital. You have to have capital, right? To, to fund the acquisition and the rehab. Uh, So, so what I try to do is, in every phase of our business, just keep it simple when I'm explaining it to, if it's our coaching clients or if it's potential investors, just keeping things very simple. And uh, just like in TV news, you know, I'm given uh, a story, you know, and it's typically, Hey, uh, whatever, is going on in the news that day, we're building a minute 30 to two minute long story around this one basic concept. And that's what we try to do. You know, so, if I have uh, a potential coaching client who I want to teach how to fix and flip houses, you know, I want to teach them the just in box one that you know, which is acquisition. Let's just say we were talking about that earlier or a few minutes ago. I want to I want to just present to them a very simple, easy to understand, kind of step by step on how to find a deal, right? So, and and whether it's on our blog, on our YouTube channel, whatever it is, we try to create a linear experience where it's just kind of like you do this, then you do this. So depending upon what part of the journey or what part of the business that client or that student's working on, you know, we've got a video, we can show them. And we have a private, for example, we have a private Facebook group for our coaching program students. And what usually happens, Bobby, is someone will go on there and just ask a question. Hey, you know, um, I, I'm trying to figure out what color I want to paint this house. Uh, can you guys give me any advice? Well, guess what? I have a video, a three-minute video on how to choose just the right color for your house. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, here's a video on how to do that. So uh, we created we created a series of videos around every step in the process so that when we have questions, you know, we can show people, hey, listen, this is how, how we do it or maybe it's not a question maybe it's a blog post right or maybe it's not a video but it's a blog post we wrote i mean so and you know we started creating this content back in 2012 like i said when i started shooting video we started writing blog posts and youtube posts so we can use the information the content we've created to answer questions and of course all of that content whether it's a blog post or it's a youtube video or it's a Facebook post, all of that circles back into a funnel that we created for our coaching program or for how to invest money with us. So
0: what I love if, if people just go follow you on social for, so Instagram, Facebook, you know, you can check out, uh, you know, uh, fix and flip. And um, we're going to have links in the show notes for people to check it out. But what you'll notice is that he is constantly posting video content of the projects he's working on. And a couple of things that I think you'll notice from my perspective is one, you're always putting out fresh stuff, first of all. So you're staying top of mind. So you know, you're trying to keep in, in front of people. Two, let's go back to the passion. You know, there is something about translatable passion is when you see someone's face talking about something they love. And that is the part of the, the equation I think is important. Don't you think that you, the people that want to work with you or buy your products need to see you and see your passion for what you're doing?
1: Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and believe me, this isn't something I learned overnight, But and I'm getting better at this. I mean, I've, I've been fixing and flipping out. I've been in real estate for a long time. Like I said, longer since 2002, longer than I have been in, I, than I worked in television news and I think sometimes if you're, I hate to ever say or claim I'm an expert, but if you're an expert in your field, or if you're somebody who's generally respected in, in, in your industry or or thought of as, as an expert, it's really easy to, to become uh, proud of, or I don't know, it's really easy to, to just kind of just throw up all over people with all of your knowledge to try to impress them. And I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm guilty of that for sure. And I have noticed, uh, Bobby, before you and I started recording this, I started telling you about how we're going back now through all of our marketing, through our blog posts and emails and videos, and really analyzing the content that we have provided. Because some of it, frankly, is just we're making what we do sound a little too complicated and there's a lot of tech speak and, and so on and so forth. So uh, it's important that a, yeah, you be passionate about what it is you do, but b, that you can you try to create the content based on either clients who don't know anything about you or your or your content or anything about the subject matter, and and so if you can if you can do t- those two things, then I think it becomes you know very easy to 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 take uh, to convert clients into customers, you know, so or convert convert people into customers. So for me, uh, it's important that, that we communicate what it is we do in a very simple and easy to understand way. Like a few years ago, we were raising capital, uh, for, so we have, we we really have two different types of customers or clients. We have investors, we have investors who invest money with us in our projects. Uh, that's our fixed, that's our investment company. And then we have our coaching company. We have people who pay us to teach them how to fix and flip, right? So, so but it's interesting how, how the marketing for one or the other helps us with both. Like, Like I have a student in our coaching program right now who has decided she doesn't really want to learn how to fix and flip houses on her own. She just wants to take the money she has and invest it with somebody who does. Well, guess what? We know how we love, you know, taking investor capital and plugging it into our projects. So There's great synergy there between those two companies, between our investment company and our coaching company. So, but we had a an investor, a very wealthy investor. He had about $2 million he was looking to invest with us. So several years ago, after really after I first started fixing and flipping houses and looking and and trying to figure out how to raise capital. And I sat down with a guy and I and I and I explained over 45 minutes. I sat down face to face with him over lunch and kind of walked him through every single phase of our business and how it all worked. And at the end of the day, even though I was passionate about it, he didn't invest with us because I gave him way too much information and made it sound way too complicated. He just didn't understand it. And from where I was sitting, it was very simple and easy to understand. And I thought I was impressing him with all my knowledge of the market and how to structure deals and how to acquire properties and how to sell them and all these different things. And in the end, I just confused the guy you know? So you run the risk of, of sometimes, uh, having this, this passion, uh, for what it is you do and kind of over explaining or just, uh, uh, scaring people away because, you know, not everybody wants to know how the sausage is made. Not everybody needs to know how the sausage is made. You know, you have to keep your message, uh, whether it's, it's video and, or blog post, whatever it is, just keep your message simple and, the, the things that you're trying to share with them, easy to understand and easy to follow. So, you know, just turn them away completely.
0: Now a quick break to ask you for your help. Did you know Intersection Podcast is part of a network of shows and we're looking for your feedback? We would appreciate your help if you could take a few minutes to fill out a short listener survey. Go to survey.intersectionpodcast.com. That is survey.intersectionpodcasts.com. We hope you'll share your experience. Hi there, this is Bobby again. We need your help. If you like Intersection, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thank you so much for your help. One of the things I think was interesting that you did was you decided to create a closed Facebook group uh, so that you could interact directly with people that are students that are buying in to that process. So you, you they pay you and then you allow them into this Facebook group. Talk about the the concept of leveraging that opportunity where you can ha- use a platform like Facebook. As in a, as a means to build rapport and community uh, within a group of people that you have sold
1: something to. So, with a coaching program, when you when you're working as a, a coach, uh, obviously time is precious, and you know we especially with us, uh, my business partner and I, operating a full time investment company we wanted to, to have this medium. We want to have an outlet where people in our coaching program could have access to us, but not direct access to us. And we wanted to be able to create, like you said, a sense of community amongst the the students in our coaching program virtually. And so, you know, and, and certainly we're not reinventing the wheel here. I mean, there are lots of successful coaches and businesses that have created private or closed Facebook groups to create that sense of community and exclusivity, right? So uh, we weren't we weren't uh, certainly trailblazers with this. But what we've done with our coaching group on Facebook is this closed group is what we, we've created uh, is a very interactive type of community where people can ask questions, share ideas. And what's neat about it is it's kind of taken on a life of its own now that we've had this for about a year and a half. So we're up to, it's not a lot of members, I think not quite a hundred members in the coaching group, but what happens is they, our students will go into this group and ask questions about a house or a fix and flip project they've purchased or in the middle of, or maybe a house they're looking at buying and they can ask questions, but there are so many people in the community now that are doing their own fix and flips that have learned so much from us. They kind of become the facilitators of this group. So Manny and I, my business partner. We don't even have to really interact, you know. We don't. Our students do the coaching for us. Our successful students do. So what that does is the, the students that are just getting started see, wow, this this stuff really works. You know, not only are Marty and Manny in here helping students, uh, their successful students are as well. <laughs> so it really gives you a lot of uh, a lot of um, credibility. And it, it makes people feel very good about the money they spent on your program. And you've just created testimonials that you can use in your other marketing. So if I have a coaching client on a, on a phone call, I typically don't do phone calls. I do like a Zoom conference calls with them, a video conference call. What I'll do is if I have somebody who's considering signing up, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share the, the Facebook page with them. And I'll say, look at all the interaction that's happening in our community. We have students who are in the middle of their first, second, third fix and flip, uh, made $25, $30, $35,000 on this project. Uh, I'll show them hey, here's a student who hasn't done a fix and flip yet, but they uploaded this video of the house. And as you can see here, we've all given them our input and guidance on what we believe that rehab estimates are going to be or, or what type of finishes and colors they should use at this house once they buy it or how much they should offer for the property. So I can use it not only to to build trust and credibility with the students who've already paid to be in the program, uh, I can use it for prospects as well. So,
0: Yeah, this is something that we use in healthcare. Uh, We use it with hospitals, with specifically cancer patients, um, these closed Facebook groups, because it allows patients to interact with each other and also have a sense of privacy for HIPAA. And then also connect with providers to ask questions. And, you know, a lot of hospitals are in this mode of, well, let's just use, you know, outbound communication. Let's just post it on Facebook and let it be done. Let's put it on a billboard. Let's tweet it. Let's do these things to market. And these closed groups, and I love your application. I've been fascinated by it, is that this is a place where you can use a platform to build community and build trust and then at the same time remarket products in a way that you can sell them on other stuff. So it's kind of a unique position that uh, even a lot of hospitals haven't figured out yet, like because they're scared to, to moderate something like that because it takes time and energy, you know. And that's what I love about what you're doing with this is that it seems so simple, but it is, to your point, a very powerful piece even in the area of real estate, you know?
1: It is, you know, our I'll give you an example. I mean, our our business page, it, we have, I mean, close to, I think we're, we're well over 4,000, you know, people follow our business page. It's like 42 4,300 people. And I started to notice about a year and a half ago that engagement on that business page really dropping off. And I, Facebook has changed its algorithms. And so what happens is, is people just, they don't even see what you're posting on your normal business page. It's it's almost it's really a waste of time anymore for us to post content there. So what I started doing uh, is, you know, we created a free closed group, which we call a mastermind group. And we don't, it's a sales-free zone where people can just ask us general questions about real estate investing so that's one group that's our free group and then we have our paid coaching group where we give them all kinds of content and like last night we did a hour-long just q a webinar uh, uh, for the students in our coaching program and of course not everybody can attend those so we repost those webinars on that paid coaching group site so there's we put new content on that and it's valuable content on that paid site all the time uh, on the free group we just answer questions but the engagement on both of those is quadruple what we get on our normal business page because in these closed groups people get notified when new content is posted right so if if i post something on my regular business page if somebody doesn't have to be happen to be on facebook at that very moment it's like it never it was never posted at all whereas somebody in my closed group whether free or paid, they actually ask to be part of it. So clearly, they're engaged. They want the information. They want that that they want that community feel. Not only have they opted in, so they, they feel like they have some kind of vested interest in what uh, the discussion is all about. But they get notified that a hey, new content is waiting for you to to, to look at. So, uh, to me, heck, if I if I was just starting out in the social media space and and, and with Facebook. I'd pretty much just completely abandon creating a normal business page and start out right out of the gate with a closed, free, closed group. And, and that gives people that sense of exclusivity, right? So
0: Yeah. And and what I love with this, you're using tools that we use every day as communicators that we try to encourage people to use just with some simple things. For instance, I love how you use and create video content. Um, You're using some very basic tools. Some of it's expensive, but some of it's inexpensive to do very simple things. For instance, like I love how you explain inside of a house what you've done and you're using pictures and all you're doing is setting the camera up and talking to it and showing very simple tactics that anybody with a
1: big camera or an iPhone could do. Wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're we're fortunate in that, you know, what we do is is visual, but you can do this really in any business. For example, my brother-in-law, him and his wife own a, an insurance company, and I was uh, explaining to him the last time him and I uh, got together, he lives in Texas. I said, "Think of all the visual things you could do as an insurance agent to to market your business, like just from an to get people to know you like you and trust you. Like I was telling him I said, "You know, one of the things like I always think about especially with my wife, and I've told her many times, I said, "Listen, if you get in an accident on the interstate, right? I said, "Pull off the road. I mean, not just to the shoulder of the interstate. I said, "Get off the freeway completely. Because people are going 70, 80, 90 miles an hour and they're they're not generally paying attention anyway. Uh, and I said, I had this experience myself. I, I got into a, a kind of a, I got rear ended on the, on the interstate as during a traffic jam several years ago. And I told, and as I was sitting there on the, the shoulder of the highway, like two other accidents happened right next to us because they were rubbernecking, right? They were looking over at us, slamming into each other. So I told the lady that rear ended me, I said, listen, I'm not comfortable being out here on this interstate. I said, we're going to go to the next exit and just pull into a gas station. Then we'll call, the highway patrol. So that's what we did. And the highway patrolman said, Hey, you guys did a smart thing here. You got completely off the highway. So you didn't, you know, bottle up traffic miles and miles behind you and it's safer. And so I was telling my brother-in-law this, I said, you know, you could create a little video for your, your clients and potential clients. Hey, what do you do when you get in an accident on the freeway? And here's the safest thing to do. And here's what highway patrolman recommends you do. Right. So it could be a two to three minute video with you standing next to your car Or and then maybe you show a few shots on the highway, right? Uh, And then I proceeded to give him three or four more examples of, like when you rent a car when you go out of town and you rent a car, they're always trying to sell you on the insurance, right? I'm like, you could do a little video about that. I was like, there's so many different little informative free tips you could give people. They're gonna make a, they're gonna think of you, and you can put these little videos on your Facebook page, on YouTube. They're gonna think of you first when they get ready to buy their insurance, right? So, you know, in any business, you just have to be creative and think about, hey, what are what questions are people asking about in my business? Like for us, people are always wanting to know, "Bobby, hey, what color did you paint these walls?" or "How did you come up with this design concept for this kitchen?" I mean, and so we just try to take these tips and boil them down to a little Instagram uh, post with a picture or a tiny 30, 45 second how-to video on our Facebook page, right? And these things, you know, these things are evergreen, right? They, they last forever.
0: So one of the things too that you and I have talked about is there's a fine line between telling them everything they need to know and giving away all your business and also the fine line on that with telling them just enough so that they get interested in what to do business. Talk about the balance that you play here with using video and storytelling, not to tell too much, but tell them enough to get them fired up.
1: <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm by no means an expert at that. And I have a, uh, a coach, uh, an, a marketing coach, and uh, he likes to say that, Uh, the best teachers typically aren't the best marketers. (laughs) The best marketers aren't typically the best teachers. So it's a very fine line. And I'll be honest, it's, it's one, I haven't quite uh, solved yet. I tend to teach too much. Okay. And, 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 and that, that has a negative effect on my sales of my coaching program. And I think when you teach too much, you, you risk doing one of two things and you and I again we were talking about this before we hopped on live here but uh, if you teach too much you can you know explain so much about your business they can figure it out on their own and then never buy your product or service so there's that risk number two if you teach too much you risk making what you do sound really difficult and time-consuming and people just decide not to do it and of course either way it's bad because you don't make sales so, uh, uh, what I've been taught and the way I've been told to do it is you don't necessarily teach people how to do it. You just want to teach them what's possible with the knowledge and the information that you're providing. So, so you, you, it's really a paradigm shift where, you know, you're teaching them, Hey, this is possible. It, you can, with this information, you can do this, right? So, uh, that and that's that's where it becomes difficult because, at the same time, you got to give them some type of value. You have to give them something they can kind of sink their teeth into, so that they can feel like, hey, this person is knowledgeable and they've given me something uh, valuable for a, a very small cost or no cost at all. Really, it could just be giving them my email address and they've given me something valuable. So you know what, I'm going to buy from them moving forward. And what the space I'm in, the coaching space. Uh, that's a uh, that's it's a it's a difficult nut to crack, right? I mean, there's a lot of real estate coaches and instructors and investors out there teaching people how to do this stuff. So it's a competitive space. It's a competitive industry. Coaching in general. So you know, it's a fine line. I'll say that. But I would just say you want to focus on teaching people more what's possible and less of how to do it step by step. Because when you're teaching people how to do it step by step, like I said, you either show them You give them the the exact blueprint, and they go figure it out on their own without you. You know, without them paying you for your service or your product or your or your course, (laughs) and or you scare them away because they realize it's going to be really hard and time consuming, and so they just don't buy. And and this is the
0: place that third party testimonials is key, right? You know, because when you have someone else share about you what you've done to help them. Whether it's a customer of a uh, a house that they've purchased or invested, or if it's a customer of your coaching, they're not really giving away what you've sold. What they're t- talking about is you know how awesome you are and what you what the possibilities are. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? That kind of goes back to you know our days of television. Is that that third party testimonials? These sa- these sound bites that really bring subjective information to the table is something you can't say yourself. But when someone else does, it's amazing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and I think here's what you may find this surprising, Bobby, and maybe uh, for those of you listening, you may find this surprising. I have found that raising capital is much, much easier to do than selling somebody coaching or selling them uh, a product or service. It's actually much easier, I believe, to raise money. And the reason why is, is uh, when, if you have a, uh, an opportunity, a business opportunity or an investment opportunity, and you can prove it to somebody on paper, you know, an inv- a potential investor on paper, whether it's a high net worth individual or a private equity fund or a, an investment group, if you can show them on paper that the deal makes sense, they're going to invest with you. I mean, if you've shown that you've done your due diligence, the numbers all add up, and you've got a bit of a track record in in doing deals like that. Uh, it, it's very easy to raise money, and people think that that's like the hardest thing in the world to do. You know, you see Shark Tank, and you see these shows, and people are trying to get funding for their their business or their projects, and and they and it seems like it's really hard, but it's not. Again, if if the if on paper the numbers add up, and you have even a short track record of, of doing it. It's actually very easy to raise capital. What's really difficult. I believe is selling somebody a a product or a service coaching, whatever it may be, because the person that you're selling it to not only has to be convinced that it works for somebody else, which that's where your testimonials come in. Like you're talking about, yeah, it's very important that you have people who have used your product or service and are willing to say that, hey, it worked for me, and it was, it w- and I was successful with it. You have to to not only have that component, but you also have to make them believe that they can do it, right? That that prospect can do it too, so they can watch a dozen different testimonials on your website, uh, and uh, you know, on Facebook, and, and if you're doing retargeting, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it's great that they can see other people have used the content. And and your services and have had success, but you the next step in that, or equally important, I should say, is is making them believe they can do it too. Because you know what happens, people will go, oh yeah, well that guy did it, but you know, I mean, he's he seems like he's a lot smarter than I am, or he's got more money than me, or I don't know, he just he he seems smarter, or uh, that opportunity fell into his lap because of you know whatever the case may be. So uh, what you've got to do. And what we do a lot in our marketing that that that's definitely helped, uh, and we've learned here just recently is is you know we call it the, um, and I've heard of it in marketing uh, before, but it's like you you basically just say hey I'm nothing special right and I, I can't think of the exact term for it off the top of my head but you got to make people realize it hey. You're doing this and you're nothing special like me. I I tell people all the time, I'm a TV, I was a TV news cameraman for 15 years. All I knew how to do was point a camera and, you know, uh, chase people around with my camera and, you know, record video and do some editing. I mean, I didn't, I I was nothing. I think they call it the anti-hero approach is what they call it. And just make people understand, hey, listen, if I can do this, whatever it is, if I can fix and flip a house. And I don't have any construction experience. I don't know how to home or model. I'm not an interior designer or decorator. Uh, I'm nothing special. Uh, And I did this in my spare time. You know, if you can make people believe whatever it is you're trying to sell them a product or service, that they can use that product or service in their own life, Uh, if you can get them to believe that, uh, then, Then, and then you've got the testimonials on top of it, then I think converting somebody into a customer becomes a lot easier.
0: Are you still ultimately a storyteller?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we like to say facts tell, stories sell. (laughs) (laughs) So like, for example, like I just used this story the other day to convert somebody into a customer, uh, somebody who's got a very busy life uh, I had on the phone and they were thinking about signing up for a coaching program. I said, listen, I said, I got a, a student in our coaching program right now, just like you. He's, uh, he works at a full-time job. He's, uh, uh, an outside sales rep for a software company. He is married with a a three-year-old and a baby on the way, and he just successfully fixed and flipped his first house in his spare time, uh, with a wife and a, and a three-year-old and a baby on the way. He did it all in his spare time and he made $30,000 in profit and he knows nothing about construction or home remodeling. So if he can do it, you can do it too. Right. And then of course I sent this prospect a little video testimonial that this student did for us at his property. And it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty easy sale at that point. It was really easy to convert that person into a customer because they, they saw that somebody else could do it. And and I helped them to believe or made them believe that they could do it too. So when you combine those two things, it, it becomes a lot easier.
0: Well, Marty Boardman, storyteller, husband to a wonderful wife, Linda, who is just awesome. Two beautiful children who are growing up. Oh my gosh, I saw the picture of y'all in the Jeep. Um, It it is an amazing honor to be on the phone with with my mentor, my friend, best man in my wedding, um, awesome business person who even lost it all and rebuilt it again. It is a pleasure to have you today.
1: Well, I, I certainly appreciate you thinking of me and allowing me uh, all this time to talk about what I do, which I, I I love what I do, and I know you love what you do. So I appreciate everything you do for your uh, your customers, your clients, and your following as well. So it's great catching up with you today.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by the Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. care. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.